Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. For the second time this year, the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series head to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, this time with a lot more on the line as the round of eight begins for both series. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me as always is Mark Chavez. We have a lot to jump into tonight. Thankfully, not the Cole Custer situation. We already covered that. Feel free to check out our previous podcast if you want to hear our thoughts on the penalty that him and the 41 team unfortunately received from NASCAR after the end of the race at the Roval. Uh, let's start out with some other news, though. Alex Bowman announcing that he is going to be sitting out the next three races as he continues to recover from a concussion that he suffered at Texas. Not surprised by this one bit. Uh, he has left the door open to possibly coming back for the season finale at Phoenix. I know that's something he'd probably want to do since that is his home race. Um, but just given everything with this car, I'm not shocked that he's taken these races out. Uh, no, not at all. I think it's certainly the fact that, I mean, he easily could have just said he's going to miss the rest of the year. No one really would have. Uh, Bad and I, so the fact that he's left that open makes me feel like he at least thinks there is a, a solid chance he could race it. But I I personally wouldn't, to be honest. Uh, we know there are some updates next year coming that will make the car safer still. It sounds like not as safe as it was previously, but but safer. So I, I would probably just sit out the rest of the season, but I, I do definitely think that Vegas and Homestead make a lot of sense to sit out. I mean, they're both high-speed, mile-and-a-half tracks. You know, if you get turned, you get back it in the wall and basically take the same hit that already injured him. It, you know, he's out of the playoffs. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. going to finish any worse than 16th in points. Uh, a lot, if not, I believe all the money, actually, in the Cup Series just depended on the owner's championship. You still have Noah Gregson in the 48 car. There's really nothing left for him to go out and accomplish this year. So why risk it? Agreed. Mm-hmm. So... Really stinks for Alex. Um, hopefully he will be back in the car for Phoenix. If not, uh, hopefully he'll be back in healthy for the start of next season, which is still, you know, three, four months away. But, uh, you know, just I think we've already talked about it a lot. It's a, it's a bad look for NASCAR. It's been a rough last couple of weeks. And obviously you've had the Kurt Busch situation and he'll be having an announcement too uh, at Las Vegas this weekend. And, I'm sure a lot of people are already speculating what that might be about. But, uh, you know, injuries, obviously, in auto racing, they're not uncommon. It's just it's really a bummer when the way they've happened and wrecks that don't look like they're that bad at all. And you've had a couple of high profile drivers have to sit out a bunch of races because of it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly put a damper on the season so far. Mm hmm. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. I know a lot of us are probably uh, a bit excited to watch Noah Gregson continue to drive the 48 car as he gets ready to compete for an Xfinity title in these last couple races and gets ready to run full-time in the Cup Series next year. So obviously we hope the best for Alex, and we hope uh, Noah can keep driving well in his absence. And uh, we'll be interesting to see how both of those things play out here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, other big news. Uh, NASCAR talking about a new track, potentially. This is another street course. Uh, right now, it sounds like they are eyeing a race in the New York area. I know they really want to push New York City, but that would probably cost a lot of money for them to go there and shut everything down. I think the running joke is right now the race is probably going to be in New Jersey if it happens with the New York skyline in the background. But regardless, I, I understand why NASCAR would want to be in this area. I think it would be, you know good for marketing you're gonna get a lot of turnout a lot of people showing up especially if it's in the big city you know there's hundreds thousands millions of people that are there um i do question the overall product especially with these cars but i completely understand why nascar would be trying to get this thing to happen i mean if if we go there if it were to happen i would hope that we have a better product than we we had at roval for sure and then probably better than we've had on the road courses uh in general but, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. New York is one of, if not the biggest cities in the world, let alone in the country, uh, just in terms of everything from it, from population to just importance. It's a, it's a huge city. Uh, so it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if they managed to pull it off, that'd be pretty, 
pretty incredible. Cause I know F1 wanted to, and even they weren't able to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely going to have to be a lot of moving pieces involved in that. Again, just shutting down New York. It just seems like something you really can't do. It seems like it'd be really hard. I guess you could probably feel that way about Chicago too, but you know, that's uh I gotta say, well, I'm not a fan of the street course races. I think I'd rather see one in New York than Chicago personally. I, I don't know. Chicago just New York seems a lot bigger than Chicago. They're both big cities, major cities in the US, but there's there's something nothing, different about nothing New York. compares to New York. Mm-hmm. Nothing, not even LA. Nothing mm-hmm. compares to New York. So I know that would uh that'd definitely be good. I know personally, just because I don't know how good the on track product is, and then just looking at that from my standpoint, I'd much rather have them try to run another race at Rockingham, which did announce they also are going to be repaving the track and doing some work on it. Um, I don't know how well that's going to go. I've heard a lot of things coming out of there about how the track is now run. You know, I think they are looking to get back into the racing scene more so due to a lot of the money that they're receiving from the government, uh, similarly to what North Wilkesboro received. But it does sound like there is a lot of work that still needs to be done to that place, even though the reports are they are doing this because they want to attract another stock car race. Yeah, I mean, it. you have the money, you want to a racetrack, I assume you want to have races on it. I just feel like the appetite for it from the fan base at large has not been there that much ever since they did go back there and it just never really took off. Like they had a couple of truck races there and then the crowd just died by the second one. Uh, I'd be cool if we could go back there, but I think it's, if the goal of the sport is to grow it, I don't think Rockingham accomplishes that. It just doesn't have the same history either as like North Wilkesboro does where it makes it this huge attraction. I mean, it's funny you say that because Rockingham has been around forever, but I would agree, like, just the the feel to it, it's it's not the same. You already had NASCAR try to go back there. It didn't work out. If you told me the late model race that Junior ran, and, and granted, Dale Jr.'s Dale Jr., he's going to draw a crowd. If you told me that that had more people in attendance than either one of the truck races they ran at Rockingham, I believe it. I definitely think it had more than the second one. Um, the, the turnout was not good. I don't I don't think it would work either. I mean, I think it has a lot of problems. The fact that it's in the middle of nowhere is not a good one. Um, you can make that argument about North Wilkesboro, too. But the fact that we already tried this once, it didn't work out. I just don't see it being any different the second time around. Maybe it would be if you got a cup race. But again, with North Wilkesboro, the, the people that they had show up for modifieds and late model races... I just I don't I don't think the the call is there from the fans to go back to the rock. You, you might see it on social media in some places, but not like North Wilkesboro was. And I would happen to or yeah, I, I would definitely agree that it probably wouldn't be a great turnout. But yeah, if they want to use the money to update the track, prove me wrong. <laughs> you know, I would love to go there if it worked out. So if they can make it happen and the fans show up, that would be great. And uh you know, wish them the best too. Hopefully, uh, things turn out. But I know they do have a lot of work to do there. Even though they have raced there more recently than we raced at North Wilkesboro before their most recent return. Um, moving on as we're just rapid firing through these topics. Uh, here's a little bit one that I think more people would find uh, bigger news. And it probably plays into Stuart Haas getting ready to line up and go all in on a, the Cole Custer appeal. But they have dropped the appeal on Kevin Harvick's penalty for after the Talladega race. Uh, Rodney Childers already sat out this past race at the Roval. He'll be ready or will be able to come back for Phoenix. Um, not overly shocked by this. I know I've heard a lot of people speculate on why they're doing it. Personally, I think it just has to do with this seemed like it was a really hard penalty for them to overturn. Uh, given the circumstances and what we know about it in terms of what they were doing to the car. Yeah, I mean, it just, it feels like one, they, uh, the fact that it was weird because usually, you know, as, as we've said before, you don't, you appeal and then drop it. 
uh, because you're using that one extra race to have the crew chief at the track. But Ro- Childers was not at the crew at the race uh, at the Roval to begin with, so that certainly wasn't why. Uh, either one, they you know thought that they could they could win the appeal, or you know they they decided we're just gonna 100 percent focus on uh, the Colcaster appeal. I mean, I would, I would get why they're focusing on the Cole Custer appeal, especially with NASCAR making changes to the appeal process, allowing more NASCAR officials to be in the room to defend their case. Kind of feels like they're just out to get Stuart Haas. Probably has more to do with the fact that they've lost a number of appeals this year, and maybe they felt like, ah, oh, we're making it too hard on ourselves. Honestly, I think you could throw 100 NASCAR officials in there, and it's not going to change it. Unless they... Uh, I don't know how they determine who sits on the appeal board for these things. If it's random, okay, maybe maybe you'll get lucky. But uh, we've seen team owners be on the or former team owners be on the appeal board before. I think if you get somebody like that, uh, there's a good chance that they're going to end up signing siding with uh, Stuart Haas in this case, just because uh, something they could probably relate to and. Who knows? Depending on who you get, maybe you get somebody that's been in a similar situation where you're telling somebody to just back out and it not be to manipulate a race like NASCAR was saying the 41 team did. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if this penalty at the bare minimum didn't get reduced, if not downright. To me, I, it's hard, especially the part on Colchester. I don't know how you justify penalizing Colchester 100 grand if you felt it was not coordinated and that Chiplet acted on his own. I just don't get how you penalize Colchester 100 grand. The points I get, just because I don't know that we've ever had a penalty, a point penalty just to uh, the team and not to the driver. Uh, there are obviously instances where it just isn't applicable. Like, uh, I don't remember if they got a point penalty. I don't think they did, but maybe they did. But like Ty Gibbs in the, the 23 after his pit road thing, but you can't really penalize him points anyway because it would have been pretty unprecedented to penalize him uh, points in the Xfinity series when he, but he's not running for cut points. I mean, they could have penalized him driver points. They did that to Brian Vickers, but that's just laughable. And yeah, at that point, who cares? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, who cares? Like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't add anything to it. You just kind of laugh when you go and look at the season long standings, and you see somebody with minus <clears throat> points at the end of the year. Again, wouldn't be the first time, but uh, I don't know. Just kind of weird, kind of weird when you're looking at that. So, I I do understand why they wouldn't go that far in terms of that penalty, but you know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure Stuart Haas has their reasons for dropping the peel. Like I said, I think it probably has to do with that's one that's going to be really hard to overturn. You know, you saw Michael McDowell's team try to overturn their penalty. You saw Brad Keselowski's team try to overturn theirs. It didn't happen. If they have the evidence that you were manipulating the parts, if something was off there, that's going to be really hard to argue. I, I guess you could go in there and say, oh, the part came like that. <laughs> I mean... I guess Joe Gibbs Racing did do that one time when they had that engine penalty with Matt Kenseth, and they went in there and said, that's how the engine came in, and we weren't messing around with it. It's not our fault. Our part supplier gave us a bad part. So if they were going to have an argument, that'd be one way to go about it. But still, just with everything that's been going on with these cars and how NASCAR's pretty much drawn the line that you can't do this, and if you do, we're going to drop the hammer on you. I I just don't see that working out. But I'm uh, definitely hoping that they'll get their other appeal overturned, or you know, they'll win that appeal because uh, I think we could all agree that Cole Custer and that team really, really got hammered on something. I don't think they really deserved, at least to that degree. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, continuing on the topic with about parts, uh, NASCAR stepping up to the plate and telling the teams that they are going to be paying for all the modifications that these uh, teams are going to have to do for the next gen cars uh, as they make improvements to uh, the safety features. Um, I think that's really good on their part because if you're forcing the teams to buy these things and uh, <laughs> they weren't good to begin with. It'd be kind of uh, crappy on their part to make them pay again for something that's obviously a you know a flaw in the design that the teams really had no control over. Yeah, yeah, sounds like you know basically they'll replace the team's current 
a crop of existing parts that they had with the new parts, effectively, which is is a good move. Certainly, something they they should do. Um, stepping up to the plate for it, I still feel like they 100% could be more transparent in, in some of these things uh, in terms of like what they were doing before. You just, as I've said, you, you when you let the media and not you know obviously the media's job is to report stuff, but when you let them tell the story and drivers tell their side of the story even if you're working on it behind the scenes too, most people just kind of felt like you were dragging your feet and doing nothing, which maybe was true. Uh, but we know there was at least looking as seriously at making changes well before they ever said anything. And I get that. I'm sure they don't want to come out here and just say, Oh, we're looking into it. But I mean, at least then it would have made it seem like they cared. Whereas for a couple months, it really felt like they didn't. No, I mean, it, it definitely felt that way. And I, I do feel like with the Kurt Busch situation, just with the amount of hits he had and, and everything that happened leading up to his accident at Pocono, at least with the news that we had, you know, come out to us, it, it didn't feel like, oh man, this one wrecks what did him in. It was a buildup over time this year. He's had a lot of hard hits. And it didn't it didn't feel like after the Pocono wreck with Kurt that it was a big deal. I don't feel like it got to that point until Alex Bowman had his accident. And when we got to that point, you kind of we look were, back and you say, what have you guys been doing? Yeah, we were well, we were trending that way definitely before the Bowman. Um, Daytona, I think, was a big turning point, honestly. After Daytona, a lot of and that what the big wreck with the rain, a lot of drivers came out and talked about how hard. Uh, the hits they took were. And I feel like that was truly the the turning point, the tipping point, obviously, being Alex Bowman uh, actually getting a concussion and effectively being knocked out of the playoffs because of it. Mm-hmm. So, but, and then not to, you know, not, not that it's the driver's fault necessarily, but now they talk about the hits they took early and they were being a lot harder. And I think rather, and I think it's just be there, what they do going forward, honestly, until NASCAR shows that they'll listen to them without the media and the fans, you know, basically being an uproar. But it sounds like most of them have been experiencing these hits all year, knowing that they're harder, but we didn't really hear much about it. Uh, we would hear driver radio occasionally, like uh, Bubba uh, talked about one of the uh, hits. I think Talladega. maybe Atlanta, Talladega yeah. being really, really hard. Same thing, I think, with Atlanta. Um, it looked like they were hard hits, but they also looked like they were hard hits. So it, it took a while before publicly, I'm sure the drivers amongst themselves to their teams, to NASCAR, were talking about the hits being harder. But at, at this point, it does kind of feel like NASCAR doesn't do anything until it starts to actively hurt their brand. And I think, you know, rather than sit there and wait for things to start getting out of hand before stepping in, the drivers just have to, be more public about it quicker until NASCAR starts responding faster. I know NASCAR has been on the defensive saying things like, Oh, we don't like it when the drivers are so outspoken about this and, you know, we're really trying and they shouldn't be talking like that. And and to that, I say, you gotta, you know, you're, I think the drivers have all the right. Like, well, well, I don't, I don't head. even, I don't even agree with that sentiment from NASCAR in terms of like racing product. I think that the drivers is their job. They care about the sport. It is obviously in their best interest for the sport to succeed. They are all, all across the board getting paid less than comparable drivers were 15 years ago. Some of that was going to happen no matter what. But part of it is just, I mean, all of it really is the the declining fan base, but part of that has been the on-track product and various things associated with it. So one, I think they should, I I disagree with that sentiment to begin with, like I said, with the racing product, but I 100% disagree with it when it comes to their own safety. If these drivers don't feel safe, they should say they don't feel safe and scream it from the mountaintops, especially when, for the better part of a decade, that was kind of... NASCAR's identity almost was look how safe we are. Right. Um, and I mean, it's it's just not true. Like, I don't think these cars will literally kill somebody. Uh, it seems un- at least any more likely than before. I, I don't think it'll happen. There should, it feels like there always could be some freak things, but I mean, it could cause long-term lasting damage quite easily. It seems. Yeah. I mean, you know, head injuries are, something we know a lot more about now than we did 
20 years ago. And that's definitely something that you got to get under control. And I, I also don't think there's a single person in the garage, outside of the garage, that believes that these two concussions are the only two concussions the drivers have experienced this year. I would agree, but I, I mean, you could say that going back years. That, that I mean, probably is true going back years. You're not that, necessarily wrong, but I think it's the number. That's the thing, right? If we've had one in the how many years before this, and now we have two this year, I, I think it says a lot. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I There's no way to find out, but I, w- I would love to know. Like, if we could just, like, find the truth out about every hit every driver's taken over the last 20 years and actually see how what how much higher the rates are for concussions now than they were over the course of the last so many seasons. I, mean, I would love to know that. We're never going to know that because the drivers, if they did have them in the past, I think most of them probably did hide it, which, you know, I, I understand. You know, well, I mean, like you don't want to sit out. Even, even in this system where it is honestly probably easier mm-hmm. through the first 26 weeks anyway, to, to for most drivers, not all, but for most drivers to be willing to sit out than before, uh, they're still not willing to say anything. I don't think, I mean, most of us believe that if Bowman wanted to race at Talladega, he would have raced at Talladega. Mm-hmm. Like, if he was willing to put his health in jeopardy, because it sounds like he, no one, it wasn't until after he had um, like, been in... Tuesday the next week, he figured it out, kind of connect the dots by the sound of it. So no one, no one would have stopped him if he didn't say anything. No, so exactly. Gotta, yeah, exactly. You know, you gotta, you gotta give props to him for, you know, seeking help. And I think that's something Dale Jr. said before is like, that's, that's the hardest step. Like if nobody, if you don't have somebody pulling you out of the car, like probably what they did with Kurt, just, yeah, know, no, it sounds yeah. like that's what happened with Kurt, but yeah, it sounds like Bowman got away with it. And I, it's just, it's hard. It's it's hard yeah. to find a solution because this isn't like football where, yeah, missing a game. And obviously if you get, uh, if this happens and you wind up with a concussion in the playoffs, it could obviously end your season. Uh, but in, uh, in NASCAR, like there's a lot of times you get a concussion that it could wind up eliminating you for various points the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. And it's a lot harder. I feel like to, be willing to get the drivers to be put in a position where they can as easily be pulled out of cars as uh, football players can be pulled out of games. Mm-hmm. I would, and uh, I think the you know, the reality is that we just got to get the car as safe as possible. And NASCAR failed on this car. That's yeah. just plain, plain and simple. Yeah, and hopefully these changes that they are going to be making for the car next year will help. And we won't be in this situation next year. Only time will tell on that, but at least we know they are in fact doing something and we do have some changes coming down. All right. So let's uh, go over to the Xfinity series now, but not for the preview. We do have a little bit of news coming out of the series. Uh, Justin Allgaier returning to JRM next year. I don't think that really surprises everyone or anyone uh, just given the relationship that he has with Brandt. And that team, and the fact he's still out there uh, contending for race wins and uh, hoping to get that first series championship. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like I don't think Brand's going anywhere, and I think he only leaves when he wants to, is is really what it feels like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that somebody, if Junior Motorsports ever goes to the Cup Series, I know Dale was talking about that again this week, just the prices are where they're at, and it's kind of one of those deals where you have to wait and see, unless you're, like, have Michael Jordan money, I guess. But, uh, you know, maybe, depending on how many charters they get, if they ever move to Cup, you could maybe see Allgaier move to Cup just because he has that sponsorship. But if that opportunity doesn't come up, I find it really hard to believe that he's going to leave that seven team. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, good news for Allgaier there. Uh, it sounds like Junior Motorsports has three quarters of their driver lineup already set in stone with Sam Mayer and Brandon Jones already uh, knowing they were going to be in their cars next year. And you could add all to the list and that just leaves Josh Berry. And something tells me Josh Berry will be back in the car. I'd be pretty shocked if he wasn't. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So good news there out of the junior motorsports camp heading into Las Vegas, uh, a race that, the one driver who hasn't signed on for next year yet, Josh Berry, did actually win last year. So 
He's had some success at this track. That's something he definitely needs to continue going into this round. I think that's something. Uh, one of the drivers we felt earlier in the year could be a championship favorite, especially with how he was running in the spring. Uh, he's definitely cooled off since. So go, coming to a track where he's had success at, he has a win. Uh, definitely huge. Is he the guy that you're looking at to win this race, though? I'm sticking with the guy I predicted in the Xfinity Series predictions we made. Well, it feels like three years ago, uh, Noah Gregson. Uh, plus 250 is is the, the favorite, I believe. Uh, I mean, he's just been red hot, and I expect that to continue. Yeah, I mean, Gregson is the favorite. He's red hot. I know I picked Ty Gibbs when we did our Xfinity prediction preview for the playoffs. I hate doing this. I don't do it often. We don't do it often, but Gregson just seems like, as you would say, a slam dunk dunk pick here uh, you know plus 250 probably the hottest driver in the series still it's hard to go against him you know i think ty gibbs probably would be that guy given that he won this race in the spring he did have a lot of issues in this race and you never really saw him up front until the very end uh got a late restart took advantage won the race overall not the typical ty gibbs dominance that you've seen out of him in past races i definitely like the gregson pick He's going to be the guy I'm rolling with, too. So we're we're both on the Noah Gregson train heading into Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll get some big bucks on him. It is Vegas, after all. I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't uh, wouldn't be the worst decision in the world. Of course, being in Vegas, you know, always about the big payday. Value picks. Who's the guy that you have uh, your eye on for that? Austin Hill plus 2,500. Uh, they were really solid in the first round of the Xfinity Series playoffs. Uh, locking in uh, before the end of the race at the Roval. That's certainly the kind of drag we could see him perform well at, and I think at 2500 that's just a lot of value to be had there. That is really good. I was thinking about going with Austin Hill as well, but I'm not going to be that guy. I already, I already took your pick once. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, give me Riley Herbst. I, I think he's going to be out there, um, you know, really revved up and ready to go. I think they he feels like they got dealt uh, a bad hand at the Roval. You know, I think he's run good enough this year where a lot of people thought he would make it to the round of eight. Very unfortunate, uh, you know, the circumstances they ran into down in Charlotte. I know they're already dealing with some adversity this week. Uh, their hauler got involved in a crash on their way to the track. Uh, luckily, everybody seems okay there, so that's good to know. Uh, you know, parts, pieces, cars, tools, everything also doesn't sound like it got any damage or any serious damage at the very least. So they still be ready to go for the race. This is a hometown race uh, for him. It's home track. I think he's going to come out and he's going to have a solid day. Plus 4,000, you know, a year ago, I would have thought that was insane for Riley Herbs, but he's definitely showed a ton of improvement this year. And given those odds, I, I think it's definitely worth a roll of the, of the dice. So Herbst at plus 4,000, that is my value guy. Looking at the head-to-head bets, I know last couple weeks we found a couple of good ones here. Uh, does that trend continue? Any ones that you're looking at that are definitely better than normal for yeah. head-to-heads? I, I know that he won here last year, but I re- really like him being Josh Berry. Uh, I really like Austin Hill over Josh Berry. Austin Hill, you can get him at plus 135. Uh, Josh Berry, minus 160. Uh, Josh Berry's obviously had, had a great year, uh, but Austin Hill has been... Kind of hot lately, and certainly if they they they'll need more points than everyone else around them. Basically, just every serious contender, just because they don't have that many playoff points. But he's had really strong runs. Uh, had a strong run at um, where are the races last round in Texas. I mean, and Talladega, obviously, uh, not as strong of a run at the Roval just because of uh, the power steering issue. But and the races immediately before that, before the playoff start, was having some strong runs too, and. To get a, someone I, I do think could challenge for the final four at plus 135 is really good odds. You know, uh, I'll give two here just because one of them involves Josh Berry. <laughs> so I kind of feel bad if I make him hit, um, my pick as well. But uh, Almendinger at minus 105 to Josh Berry at 115. I think that's a solid one. Pretty much the same reasons that you were saying with Austin Hill. Almendinger, well, I feel like they kind of just struggled a bit in the first half of the year. They've really turned it around and, you know, he's coming off back-to-back wins. I know the mile and a half is probably their weakest spot throughout the season, but he 
just seems pretty solid right now. It does seem like a solid pick. And, you know, Josh Berry, I don't know if he's still going in the wrong direction, but he's kind of at the very least stabilized to where I think Almendinger would be a good pick there. The one I'm going with, I will say it's more so out of the value, uh, similar to the Austin Hill one where you get plus odds. I don't feel as good about this one as you do about Austin Hill over Josh Berry. But Trevor Bain plus 120 over Justin Allgaier at minus 140, I think is a pretty good pick as well. Uh, Bain's been really strong in that 18 car every race he's been in this year. I know Junior Motorsports is very good on the mile and a half, so it's not going to be shocking if Justin Allgaier's out there running top five. But I think Trevor Bain could do the same thing. Uh, given the equipment and just how he's looked in that car, getting him at you know plus 120, better, better than even money. I think that's definitely a pretty solid pick. So Trevor Bain over Justin Allgaier, the value's there, the equipment's there. Give me the 18 car. That's how I feel about that one. Uh, one one that is kind of interesting to me, just because they are relatively close in the odds, is you can get um, Ty Gibbs over, no, Gregson, it just moves and I can't find it. Uh, plus 120 for Ty Gibbs to minus 140 over Noah Gregson feels like a pretty good spread because they're only separated 250 to three uh 300 for the overall race odds so that's a i think a pretty favorable spread if, if you think that they're pretty pretty close in terms of their ability to win yeah no that's uh that's definitely one there i know i know since we're both going Noah gregson we're not going to touch that but no. if you're not following us if you feel like ty gibbs is the way to go here that is another one again i think we can't stress it enough if you feel pretty good about a person and they have plus odds and head-to-head matchup in NASCAR, you want to hammer it. it you know, if, if you think it's going to work out, you're not going to get better value than that. It's a good way to make money. And if you feel like Ty Gibbs is going to go out there and win the race like I did a couple weeks ago, <laughs> then that's definitely a bet you would want to look at. Uh, going sure. over, oh, For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> looking, looking at the, the championship odds real quick. Because uh, obviously, new round, uh, drivers eliminated, odds updated. Uh, one, one I do like here: Brandon Jones plus five thousand. Uh, won in Martinsville earlier in the year, which would obviously get him into Phoenix, and had the second best car only to Noah Gregson at Phoenix. Uh, certainly has to get there, but for plus five thousand odds, I think he has pretty solid, a pretty solid shot of getting there. Yeah, the round does seem to set up pretty favorably for him, especially with Martinsville being in there. Obviously, he had some help with how that Martinsville race ended, but he was still there. He was still able to take advantage of it. And I think we've seen in all of these series, whether it be Truck, Xfinity, Cup, that race before the Final Four, just shit happens. Yep. <laughs> like, it, if, if you think it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So... If Brandon Jones could put himself in that position again, where maybe he's not out leading, but if he could be up there on one of those late race restarts, he did it in the spring. He definitely could do it again. And, you know, you're right. He did have a really good car at Phoenix. He won at Phoenix previously a couple years ago, and he had to beat Kyle Busch for that race. He just drove by Kyle Busch at the end. That's not a small task, especially in the Xfinity series. So that track is one that probably is one of his better tracks. Maybe it's even his favorite. I'd have to really dive into the stats there to back that up. And if he makes it to Phoenix, I'm sure we're going to be doing our research on that. But plus 5,000, I'm with you. I think that's uh, for a driver that has the tracks coming up that he does. I think that's pretty good. I, I think the only worry I would have is that he is leaving the team at the end of the year. Daniel I think this is true. This is true. But literally Gibbs, same Ty team. Gibbs wasn't full time then. I sure, think that's sure. one difference. But I don't I, I don't here's the thing. I don't think if, if Brandon Jones gets there, you could risk not also giving Brandon Jones everything you could to mm. to get him to win the championship. It's so much I mean I mean just straight up luck involved in that last race. Like you saw Sindrick dominate the race last year, get unlucky with a late caution, and Daniel Hemrick came out and won the race. I just can't get that picture out of my head about of uh, Joe at Martinsville where Brandon Jones wins the race and he just looks pissed off. <laughs> like I, I feel like if uh, you know you get to Phoenix and Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones are are both in it, I I question how much Joe Gibbs would care. And obviously the team's gonna care and Brandon Jones is gonna care, but you know, 
it's one of those deals. A little bit of a different situation because of who's driving the car, who gets the focus there. But you are right. Daniel Hemrick did it last year, so why couldn't Brandon Jones do it? It's uh, it's a fair take, and at plus five thousand, I'm with you. I think that's definitely a a good long shot for the championship to put some money on. Looking at the fantasy teams, I know we have a lot of different drivers or a few different drivers in this race anyway, some a uh, little bit more high-profile than others. Uh, what's your fantasy team looking like? Uh, Starting off with three guys we've already talked a decent amount about. No, Gregson, 10,800. Austin Hill, 9,400. Riley Herbst, 8,500. Um, all have run good. Herbst having a career year. Austin Hill, a rookie, obviously having a good year. Gregson, championship favorite. Uh, three other guys are... Uh, not necessarily one of them is a familiar name for our value picks, but certainly familiar teams. Uh, Nick Sanchez, uh, 7,600, running in the uh, 48 for Big Machine Racing. And then Raja Cruz, 7,000, Seven Parthen, 6,600, both running for Alpha Prime. Uh, not super confident in the, the Raja Cruz pick. Uh, it hasn't had a ton of starts, especially on the track this size in the Xfinity Series. I mean, it hasn't had a ton of starts in the Xfinity Series anyway. But... I, I think the cars are good enough that he, if uh, he has a clean race, he has a shot to bring home a top 20. So I know with my team, you know, we, we have our favorites. I do have Noah Gregson on the team at 10,800. Um, I mean, it's pretty hard not to go with him at this point, I feel like. Uh, next up, I have John Hunter Nemechek at 9,200. He's in the 26 car this week, but I think that's a, that's a good ride for him. He's had some great showings in it so far this year. Top 10, definitely not out of the question, and I almost kind of feel like it's going to happen. Almost expected. Almost. Uh, I also have Austin Hill on the team, 9,400. That is somebody who's really cranked it up over the last couple of weeks. I'm with you. I'm not going to be shocked if he's in the final four. Uh, looked pretty solid here at times in the spring, so I think he could have a pretty solid showing. Riley Herbst at 8,500. That's my value pick. I think he's going to have a strong day. Going with Stefan Parsons, 6,600. Looked pretty solid in the Alpha Prime car. Him and uh, Ryan Ellis, I think they've done enough where, even if it's not with Alpha Prime, I would like them to have a, a full-time ride and something next year. I know that's not going to be the case with Ellis, but maybe Parsons could work something out. We'll see. Last up, and I'm probably going to get crapped on for this, and this is why I saved it for last. I actually did go with Haley Deegan, who is making her Xfinity Series debut. 4800 in salary, that's the main reason for it. She's cheap enough where I think it's definitely worth a look. You know, we, uh, we've obviously talked about Haley Deegan a lot in the Truck Series and how she's fared. But if there is one thing she can do, it is keep the, the car clean. I, I do like that, especially with the Xfinity Series, which, you know, Maybe it's not as wild as the truck series, but it can get wild at the end. But in her very first truck race at Kansas a couple years ago, she did bring it home 16th, uh, only finished one lap down. I think you're going to see something very similar from her here, where it's just going to be get track time, run laps, bring the car home in one piece. And sometimes in the Xfinity series, that is enough to get you a 20 or 30 point day. So that play really comes down to qualifying. So that could be revised after that. If she ends up qualifying like 32nd, I think it's actually worth having her on the team. If she could just miss the Rex, she could probably get you a solid point showing for Daily Fantasy. Uh, certainly a bold pick, but at the value with the quality of the car, it's certainly possible that it... 4,800 uh, makes it yeah, I mean, hard to pass up. No, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, so... You know, when you have somebody like that, you can go a little bit higher. Definitely made it a little bit easier to fill in the teams with, you know, guys in the 10,000 or in the 9,000 range. So there are some perks to it. And if she does what I think she possibly can do, even if that's bringing the car home in 25th, that's not bad. Anytime you can get, you know, 20 points or so out of a driver at 4,800, it's, it's worth the pick. So moving over to the Cup Series. Uh, we do not have a favorite in this race like we do in the Xfinity series with Noah Gregson being at plus 250. Uh, currently, Although, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, currently the favorite is Denny Hamlin at plus 550. He did win this race last year. Toyota has been strong on the mile and a half. But then you have a drop all the way to Christopher Bell at plus 800, which I feel like is actually a pretty decent gap between first and second when it comes to the favorites for race winner. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say it's not necessarily a favorite in terms of 
uh, how likely they think they are. But the gap here is is pretty significant for the top end of the Cup Series, especially this year. And for that reason, I am not going anywhere near Denny Hamlin. He certainly could win. I don't even necessarily disagree with him being the favorite, but I do disagree with him being the favorite over this margin. Uh, the guy I'm going with, and this is out there. I've given up trying to predict what I think is going to happen. Everyone wrote off Christopher Bell like there was no ch- chance in the world. He'd walk away out of the Roval with a victory and certainly didn't have a dominant car or anything, but came out on top with it still. Uh, certainly think he'll be a contender here, but I'm going to go with someone that I think second only to Chase Briscoe, who I think Chase Briscoe would be the one that truly like makes people shake their heads the most about the playoff system. And this isn't even necessarily the playoff system, but just because of things that have transpired in the playoffs, William Byron to win and lock his way into the final four, a driver. A lot of people would argue shouldn't be even be in the final eight because of, uh, should have had a penalty. Uh, has had good speed, has probably been one of the, certainly I think been one of the top four cars in terms of speed so far these playoffs. And uh, I mean, Central Motorsports, they could always win basically anywhere. So, Byron is also my pick probably for next week. <laughs> Not this week. I, I think Byron has a very good chance to win to advance to the final four. I just think Homestead's more likely, especially with the fact that Kyle Larson was my guy to win that race. And now that he's out, you know, it would be pretty Kyle Larson like to win Homestead now that he's out of the playoffs and he can't advance. But I think everything's going to be going into the nine in the 24 team. And Byron did win here last year or at Homestead last year. So if I think if he's going to win to get in, that's the track that I would have circled for this race, though. I'm going to go with Christopher Bell um, plus 800. We already talked about it. He's also been my dark horse pick to win the championship since the late spring, early summer. And I was shocked when he won the Roval. I thought he was dead in the water and they made a great pit call. And uh, he was able to, you know, get up on the wheel and drive his way into the round of eight. And I think he's going to ride that momentum in this Las Vegas race. Again, Toyota has been very, very good on these mile and a halfs. Um, I know we've had, a uh, at least one we had, you know, we went to Texas and I'm sorry, Texas is Texas. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to ignore Texas and how they ran there. Uh, Kansas was the last true mile and a half. I believe they were at uh, before Las Vegas. And that is correct. He, had, he had a top three car. You know, he battled for the win, ended up finishing third, I believe. So, you know, the equipment, the Toyotas, they've been good on these types of tracks all year. And I think Bell, you can make the argument, man. He's, uh, I know he had a, a rough round to put him in that situation, but overall, last couple months, he's been one of the hotter drivers on the circuit. So good track, good driver, solid odds, plus 800. Give me Christopher Bell to put the car in victory lane and punch his ticket to the final four. You're certainly right about Bell having a good Kansas. Will and Byron also had a, had a pretty good Kansas, but. My value pick is the guy that had a best, the best Kansas. Bubba Wallace, 1,500. Uh, I just, quite frankly, don't know that I even really think anyone below 1,500 has that much of a chance. I think uh, Chase Briscoe is probably the only one, I think, whose head's still th- solidly in the game. Harvick's uh, mind certainly is, is likely elsewhere. Uh, with the way that Suarez and Cindric both got eliminated, that feels like the kind of way that just ruins the rest of your season. Um I, I don't think like Austin Dillon's going to win. It's possible. I don't think so. Just of, of all the guys, 1500 or lower, uh, Joey Logano's there too, but I, I never know what to expect with them. They could, the, there's, I feel like just a good chance they win this race. If they go out there and they run 18th, the whole race, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Bubba Wallace, 1500, uh, with the speed they've had at mile and a half. So he's a Toyota. Uh, I certainly like his chances to get another win. For me, he didn't have a great race here in the spring, but his car did. And that's Noah Gregson. I don't even think Noah was in the race in the spring, actually, in the Cup Series. But at plus 5,000, given the equipment, obviously the team did run well here in the spring. They won the race with Alex Bowman. And Gregson was having a pretty solid roval before he got collected in one of those late incidents on the restarts. Um, I know he had a really great run going, I believe it was at Michigan in the colleague car. Before he got in a wreck. So he's had times where he's shown, you know, top 10, top five speed. I think being in a car, like a Hendrick car, a lot better equipment than Colleague right now in the Cup Series, obviously. Plus 5,000 for a Hendrick car, I definitely think that's worth 
taking a chance on, especially with somebody that has a lot of raw talent like we've seen out of Gregson so far. Going over to the group bets. Starting off with Group A, we have Denny Hamlin at plus 180, Chase Elliott and Christopher Bell at plus 290, and Tyler Reddick at plus 330. Obviously, I already picked Bell, but it's kind of funny just to see him have... So, you know what? I take that back. It's not that like funny because he is plus 800 to win the race to Denny Hamlin's plus 550. So I guess if you broke it down, that might be similar in terms of the group bets, but plus 290 for Bell, I already think he's going to win the race. That's an easy pick for me. I'm also going with Bell. I, I think Bell, honestly, in terms of, of, of straight up, I get why Denny Hamlin's the favorite. I think Christopher Bell probably should actually be the odds favorite here in this race. Uh, I don't think he's going to win just because this season's been uh, crap shooting. I think it'll continue that way. But I, Bell here is, I think, the pretty easy play. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't rule out Chase. I know we didn't really talk a ton about him on the race winners. Hasn't had a lot of luck at Las Vegas, but he does show speed here historically. So I, I'm i not a fan of them at, at the mile and a half, especially just like this one. They were good at Kansas in the spring. Not all that great at the Kansas uh, when they came back. Really struggled at Vegas uh, when they were here in the spring. Uh, he Chase certainly did not show or a lot of confidence uh, when they were talking about the next round. Uh, and I, I'm at least here inclined to agree. I don't think this is going to be the kind of track that, that suits them this year. And it's like, listen, this is Chase, it's Hendrick. They could go out there. They could win for sure. But I, uh, I definitely like Bell here the most. Group B, uh, co-favorites, Kyle Larson and Ross Chastain at plus 250, Ryan Blaney at plus 280, and William Byron also at plus 280. Well, I picked Byron to win the race, so I'm picking Byron here. Yeah, this this one's tough for me. Um, Larson, again, kind of like how you were talking about with some of the other guys, just the way they got eliminated. I don't know where they're going to be at, you know, mentally going into this race. So I'm going to roll him out. Ross Chastain at plus 250 is a little bit tempting. Did have a really good car in the spring. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's not a bad one either. Blaney, I feel like, this track kind of owes him one. <laughs> I definitely know there was a race here back in 2020 that he definitely, at worst, was probably going to finish second. I know Alex Bowman was coming in that race. Maybe he could have done something, but it felt like Blaney was going to win or finish second in typical Ryan Blaney fashion, a race that looks like he has unlocked. He ends up, I don't even know if he finished in the top 10 with the yellow and the restart that ensued. Just that's That's what it's like to be Ryan Blaney. You win the races you're not supposed to, and you lose the races you're supposed to win. I'm going to roll with you on this one. William Byron at plus 280. Again, I'm I'm looking more towards Homestead for the one that he can make noise. But that team has looked a lot better in the playoffs. And I think you could... They're, they're a safer pick than Ryan Blaney. Because the Fords... I know we talked about it with Joey Logano where he could go out there and win the race or he could finish 18th. I don't know if it's that drastic with Ryan Blaney, but it's similar where he could go out there and contend or he could just kind of be there and run ninth all day, not even close. I feel like the Fords have, or at least the Penske Fords have been like that for almost the whole season. So Byron to me is the safer play here. That's why I'm going to go with him as well. Group C, we have the hometown kid making his final start in his number 18 car at Las Vegas. And that's Kyle Busch plus 230, along with Martin Truex Jr. at plus 230. Joey Logano and Bubba Wallace up next at plus 300. Uh, listen, and what I'm about to say certainly means one of them is going to win the race, but Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Kyle did get uh, a third, I think it was, at the Roval, although that was certainly through the chaos at the end. But Truex and Kyle have just had an awful, awful playoff run. Obviously, Truex not even in the playoffs. Uh, so I'm not even going to consider them. My value pick was Bubba. I'm going to stick with Bubba. I'm going to go with you on this one. He he did win Kansas. He was a lot better than everybody there at the end. And I don't necessarily think they're similar, but you know, Kansas, I, I kind of feel like you could draw on what people did at Kansas and put that over to Las Vegas. The races are close enough together. I don't know if any teams have made any jumps. Kyle struggled at Kansas, man. He had a lot of issues there. His motor held up the whole race, but you know, he spun out and it just wasn't a good day for him. 
And I'm not saying he's going to wreck in this one, but again, it's kind of like going over with uh, William Byron over Ryan Blaney. Bubba Wallace just seems like the safest pick in all of these with all these guys. So uh, give me Bubba at plus 300 as well. Last group, Group D, we have two Stuart Haas cars in Kevin Harvick and Chase Briscoe at plus 210, Daniel Suarez at plus 300, and Austin Dillon at plus 400. I am going with Daniel Suarez plus 300. Don't really love any of these. Um, just I trust Chevy's a bit more than Ford's here. And uh, I think Daniel Suarez will finish better than Austin Dillon. That's really what it boils down to. I would agree with that. Um, you know, Dillon, he's, he's had a decent year. And for whatever reason, I don't feel like Suarez is, might be as down in the dumps as, as Larson. I mean, what, what happened I think, to him was just as bad, but I feel like they're more capable of just keeping it together. They were disappointed, but I don't know. He seemed very proud to have have got through the race still, kept it on the track, managed to finish the race, even if it did cost them uh, a playoff spot. Obviously disappointed, but excited for the season. That's a difference too, right? Like, Suarez, if you told them hey, you're going to make the round of 12 uh, and almost make the round of 8, they probably, before the season even got started, he probably isn't, he probably doesn't, isn't uh, super ecstatic about it, but he's probably pretty content with it. If you told that to Kyle Larson, it's going to be nothing but disappointment. Like, Kyle Larson expected to be in the Final Four, and Daniel Suarez can say that, but we all know that in reality, he is unlikely that he truly expected it. I would have considered anything less a failure after the season they had list last year. I don't want to think that um, Kyle Larson's season is a failure might be a bit extreme, but I, even the way he talked after the race, you kind of get that vibe. And I did not get that vibe at all from Daniel Suarez. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick though, for my group pick here. I, I kind of just get the feeling like this could be a race where Kevin Harvick just wants to deliver a big F you to NASCAR. I can see it. I, I could certainly I, see it. I could see him being up on the wheel and driving his ass off. So I know that's somebody we haven't really talked about so far until we've gotten to this point, but given his competition here, I kind of feel like his only real competition is Daniel Suarez. I'm sorry, Austin Dillon. I, I like you. I'm a fan. I'm wearing an Austin Dillon shirt right now, but I just don't feel like you're going to be able to run in the top five, which I think there is a chance you might have to, to win this group operating under the assumption Kevin Harvick's just going to drive his ass off like I do. And I'm with you. I think Daniel Suarez, despite being eliminated, could have a pretty solid day. And with how last round went for Chase Briscoe, I could see him running 17th all day and somehow finishing 7th at the end. Well, that's, that's what he did last this round. This is the first round in a while that I remember that I will truly not be surprised if a top 15 wins this group. I certainly think you're right about Kevin Harvick. He could go out there and win. But if he also finished 13th and won the group, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So I'm going to roll the dice with Harvick on this one. I'm, I'm expecting him to just go out there and I, you know, if he goes out there, has a good day, wins the race. I'm, I'm going to love that interview. Can't wait for that. I, th- I think that could be a classic. So Harvick's my pick for group D, although I, I do really like the Suarez pick. So if he ends up winning the group, it's not going to shock me one bit there either. So before jumping into the fantasy teams, let's also, Take a quick look while we're still on the sports book at the Cup Series updated championship odds. Down to eight guys, and everybody except Chase Briscoe is plus 800 or better. We have Chase Elliott at plus 200, Denny Hamlin at plus 400, then Byron, Chastain, Logano, Bell, and Blaney at plus 800, and Chase Briscoe, like I said before, all by himself at a lonely plus 2,000. I didn't like Chase at the beginning of the playoffs when he was plus 270. Still don't really like him at plus 200. Um, or 275, whatever it was at. But I get it. Like, he's over the season, he's certainly been the best driver, has not been the best driver uh, over either round, uh, certainly not combined. Uh, I, he's certainly not going to be viewed as the best driver going into Phoenix. Might still end up being the favorite just because of what he's done this season. But I don't think this round's going to be good for him. Don't like plus 200. I would be pretty shocked if we got to Phoenix. Uh, and his odds were substantially different than plus 200, unless he's eliminated, obviously. So to me, I don't really see a ton of point of putting money on him. Uh, 
Denny, I, I really, the thing is, I don't like Denny or Chase just because of how crazy the season's been. I don't think anyone deserves to be 400 or better. Everyone else at 800, I mean, Bell is still probably my favorite from this group. Did recommend getting him either after uh, Texas or after Talladega if, if he thought there was a chance because he was, I think, plus like 8,000. Uh, and if he plus could get... Five. I don't think it was plus eight. It was a lot. Uh, it, was, it, was a lot. it was a lot. And if he could get through, obviously, this is around the, the shaping up with these two tracks could be good for him. I honestly don't hate Chase Briscoe at 2,000 just because, I mean, he's managed to sneak his way through. If he does it again, he won at Phoenix in the spring. Mm-hmm. That's, so That's definitely fair on the Briscoe take. Like, if he does somehow manage to get there. If he was, like, 3,000, which I know is actually a pretty substantial difference in 2,000, but if he was at 3,000, I would, I would probably like the bet. But at 2,000, it, even with how he's been able to literally effectively survive, did get uh, three top tens in this last round, so it's not like he, you know, just putted wrong, putted along. But historically, three top tens not really been enough. If you're the guy like Briscoe, who's in the basement in terms of playoff points, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so I don't think he'll be able to just top ten his way through in that much of a deficit. But if I mean he's survived, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. So I will say, after everything you said there. I am going to disagree with you on Chase not being the best in any of these rounds. I think he was the best last round. He was leading at Texas when he cut a tire. He won Talladega, and he was going to win the Roval if it wasn't for the that is uh, that is okay. That is Texas is Texas, and he other people had issues for him to get there. But I will give you that. Although he was, it's hard to say for sure with the Roval. Uh, if uh, he obviously wouldn't would have won without the caution. Hard to say he had the best car for sure because nobody could pass. Whoever got out front. Other than uh, uh, people on new tires, and even then, sounds like it was mostly, honestly, not because the old tires were worn, but just because they were hot. Um, but I, I will—I mean, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll give you that. He probably did have was setting up to potentially have the best round before finishing, if not for the the blown tire and then the spin late. Yeah, that, that being said, I don't know if he's been the best driver in the playoffs because his first round was pretty. First bad. round was bad, <laughs> and the races in this past round could not be any more inapplicable. To the remaining races the rest yes. of the season. Yeah, probably so. probably the middle round, worst round to like be really good at because those races not do, doesn't transfer anywhere. I mean, the only good thing about being good in the middle round is you could get the playoff points. Oh, well, for sure, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, after we saw Kevin Harvick get eliminated in 2020 in this round, uh, you know, Chase doesn't have the gap that Harvick did on, you know, these guys. And I think maybe I'd have to go back and look. His point situation to Hamlin might be similar to what Chase is up on Logano, but that's the thing going into this round. You're not you're not looking at those bottom numbers like before. I think you're probably looking at like who's sixth, seventh, and eighth, depending on who's winning. That's what you want to you know go after. You want to be ahead of that line in case you get certain winners. With this one, you got to be first in points. You got to operate on the thought that there's going to be three guys that are in the playoffs mm-hmm. that wins, even though this year's been crazy and. I'm not going to bet on three playoff guys winning these races just because of how the year's gone, but that's how you have to operate. And he doesn't have a huge gap on Logano. So if Logano decides to show up and run top five every week, like we know he can do <laughs> instead of running 15th, which we also know he could do, that could be a tight battle. And, you know, again, with Chase, how he's run this year, it's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, it wouldn't be shocking if he didn't make it to Phoenix. I know he's both of our picks to win the championship, but you know, you run into a little bit of a problem at Las Vegas or Homestead and you have an issue late in the Martinsville race where you can't pass. You could be staring elimination right in the face. So after hundred for him is just, it's, it's too high. I'm with you. Just, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, by the way, after the Roval, so after the cutoff race back in 2020, uh, Harvick had a 13 point lead on Denny Hamlin 32 uh, points on Brad, 40 on Chase, and then the spot that would matter if there were no winners, uh, 45 on what is effectively the cut line there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's uh, something that I think, uh, you know, while I I hope Chase has a good round and he's out there at Phoenix, it's just those odds. I can't really, I don't love them. I'm with you. Christopher Bell at plus 800. If I didn't already have money on Christopher Bell, I'd probably be hammering that right now. But I, I got ahead of that before the playoffs even started. So that's definitely the one I would have circle if I'm going to add to it. Briscoe, I'm with you in terms of if he gets there, he has a chance. It's just my gut tells me he's not going to do it. And, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. But 
with how he ran the last round, his average running position not great. You know, they they were able to take advantage of situations and get better finishing results than he ran in those races, and that definitely helped. But I just I'm not feeling him, and you know, if he gets there. Great on him. I'm I'm sure he's gonna make someone really happy, but to me, I just can't put money on him. I it, it's hard to. That's that's just how bad that year's been. And it's funny because like William Byron, I think, in the middle part of this year was equally as disappointing, but I think it's pretty clear right now that they were just goofing off. And man, if Byron actually fried, I use that in you know air quotes because I have no idea to know for sure, but if they fried like they did at the very beginning of the year or how they have in the playoffs. Um, he'd have a lot more playoff points. And that's, that's what really scares me about William Byron is if he doesn't win these races, you're going to be looking at that middle chunk of the season and just going, why did you guys do what you were doing? Because uh, that's the reason why you're out. I will say for, for Byron, they at least not every week, but they did show we- speed some weeks in the middle of the season and just kept having some things go wrong. Though certainly not necessarily even as much speed as they've shown since the playoffs started. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think any of those guys at 800, I think you can make an argument for. Um, and I, I think you could make a better argument for Chase Briscoe right now to put money on him than Chase Elliott, just because you're not, there's not a lot of value there. Denny Hamlin's kind of the only guy I just feel like, eh, about like it's plus 400. Denny showed speed. And then there's been times where they have major issues. So that's also a little tough for me to go on them right now, but I'd probably be more likely to put money on Hamlin than Chase again, just because of the value, not necessarily because but- I think. More likely to win the title. I also think this round, because I think Martinsville, if it's anything like we saw in the spring, which seems like it'll be just the same, if not worse, um, it's just going to be where you qualify for the most part. Where you qualify, as long as the team doesn't screw up and lose you a bunch of positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two rounds, based on what we've seen this year, I do like Denny's speed more than Chase's. And mm-hmm. Chase does have a bigger gap on um, second than than Harvick did, but the gap to the rest of them is much smaller. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't like Chase's position with the speed he's had at these kinds of tracks. Mm-hmm. We'll be you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch and uh, find out what's going to happen. Uh, moving over to the fantasy teams now, though. Uh, what's yours looking like for Sunday? I am going with starting at the top. Uh, your pick to win, who I think also will have a very, very strong race. Uh, Christopher Bell, 10,500. Next, Ross Chastain, 9,900. And to be honest, just was what I had left after picking everyone else. Uh, but it's still in the playoffs. Had a good race here in, in the spring. This race was, I mean, it was only the third race of the season. But I think the first race where people really felt like, wow, they, they might actually like contend several times this year. Uh, William Byron, my pick to win at 9,700. And then my three value guys, Noah Gregson, 7,300. He's in the Hendrick car, 7,300. He's obviously young uh, and doesn't have a ton of starts, but it has, it has a decent amount. And as we already mentioned, was was uh, good at the Roval last week, so he can wheel the car around. Uh, Ty Gibbs, 6,600. Hasn't been that great as of late, but it is a Toyota. Uh, so I fully expect him to be able to compete. And last one is actually Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 6,000. Had a really good car at Kansas. And, I mean, this is comparable, and I think if... They haven't had a great, you know, last half of the season, but they they have shown speed at times, and I I think they could get a solid finish. I was actually toying around with the idea of Stenhouse too, but I just I couldn't quite bring myself to picking him. But I was close. I definitely was. I definitely like that one uh, for your fantasy team. Of course, I have Christopher Bell on mine, ten thousand five hundred. Pretty easy to go there with him. Uh, next up, William Byron, ninety seven hundred. I think he's going to have a strong day. Ryan Blaney, 9,500. He should have a win at this track, I feel like. But again, typical Ryan Blaney fashion does not. Maybe maybe he'll break through somehow this weekend and punch his ticket to the final four with his first win of the season. A um, couple value guys coming up next. I also have Noah Gregson, 7,300. Eric Jones, 7,100, was running around, or if not in the top 10, near the end of this race in the spring before he just pushed it a little too hard, stepped out, ended up walling the car, ending his day. Um, but, you know, I think that team's probably cooled off a bit since uh, their win at Darlington. But still, overall, really good year, and they're going back to a track where they showed a lot of speed earlier in the season. Last but not least, 
operating kind of on the same mindset as my Kevin Harvick pick in the groups. Uh, Cole Custer, 5,900. That's how much I had left. And I don't think we talked about this, but Mike Shiplett's not there. And I know we've joked about it all season. That might actually help Cole Custer here. It's going to be good to actually see what he could do with somebody else on the box. Granted, I know these teams, the way they operate now, could be a little dip- different with Shiplett suspension because it is indefinite. I don't know if that's any different than a four-race suspension. Can he be in the war room still? I don't know. I would like to. I would like to find that just, out. Actually, I don't know that NASCAR can um, can say if they can't be in the war room or not because not at the track. I don't know either. But I feel like they don't I feel like own the it. Races could possibly be different than indefinite. Indefinite. It's probably just the wording. It seems a lot harsher. <laughs> what's What's funny about it because it is indefinite. But what's funny is that Shiplet is not going to be, even though they're appealing, they're still going to send Shiplet on suspension. I don't know if the, if the hope is to add a uh, number limit to that suspension. So instead of it being indefinite, if they were to decide, oh, it's four races, and then, then you know, it's just the season. and then I don't know what, but it is interesting to me that even though they are appealing the suspension, they are not having Shiplet at the track this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well... I'm going to operate on you know, Mike Shiplett's not there. He's not going to have as much say on what goes on that team. So Cole Custer, a breath of fresh air. You're finally getting the opportunity, something that I think everybody has wanted for him, just to see what he could do without the crew chief there. Because I think a lot of people think, yeah, maybe Cole Custer's not the best driver in the world, but the crew chief possibly is the reason why he's been as bad as he's been over the last year and a half, two years. So going to be nice to see that. Has looked a little bit better in the playoffs. Um, so if that crew chief could kind of, you know, do something different, give him a shot in the arm, maybe he could have a pretty solid day. Again, 5,900, not a ton of people down there, especially in that equipment that, are, you know, could are, are good. So I think it's a pretty solid play there. And you know, I was going to have my eye on Cole Custer anyways this weekend just to see what he could do again without Mike Shiplett on the box. So why not throw him on the fantasy team if it all works out? That could be a pretty good pick. That's going to wrap it up on the fantasy side, Mark. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, well, well, we will 100% next time we talk have Kurt Busch news to uh, talk about. Uh, we know he has a press conference scheduled for Saturday. I just hope that if the news is of a retirement, it's of a retirement after next season and not a retirement effective immediately. Yeah, I think we all want to see Kurt back out on the track at least one more time. You know, so, you know, don't never want to see anyone in sports in general have a career ending injury. So hoping for the best there. But uh, I know what a lot of people are speculating. Uh, it, it could very well be a retirement press conference, but we'll see on Saturday. I believe that's going to be at 11 a.m. So all eyes will be on that. And uh, we'll we'll tune in then and we'll have our thoughts ready to go when we review everything that's happened over the race weekend. But until then, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Bernie Breakdown, and uh, see you next time. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Remember to follow us at Birdie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.